We are now in the last five months of Jesus' life and uh, uh, going through his chronological life. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, First of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. But there was nothing... But, but there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in their inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Okay, so just remembering the context of verse 1, we read in chapter 11 last week, this was a reiteration of what had happened in the unpardonable sin. So a year prior to this, the unpardonable sin had taken place. And in that, it was, that occurred because there were three works that the, the uh, rabbis said that only Messiah will be able to do. One was to heal a Jewish leper. Never in Scripture had there been the healing of a Jewish leper after the law was complete. Miriam, it was before the law was complete. Uh, um, uh, Naaman was not a Jew. So only Messiah, they said, would be able to do that. He did that. Then they said that only Messiah would be able to heal a man born blind. He did that. Then they, and the last thing is that only Messiah would be able to cast a demon out of somebody who was mute. And Jesus did that, and now he just did it again in Luke chapter 11. He did it a second time. And so the first time he did this, the rabbis had to come up with some explanation for this. The Pharisees had to come up with some explanation. They said, well, the only reason he could do it is because he is controlled and he serves uh, 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 by the power of the greatest demon, Beelzebul. This time in Luke chapter 11, it's not the Pharisees that say it, it's the masses that say it. So that the indoctrination of the masses against Jesus had taken place. And if you read today, you will see that in the Jewish writings which exist today, they will talk about why they had to kill Jesus on the Passover and they said it was because he practiced divination. So even today it is written. And so... It says in verse 1 in Luke chapter 12, under the circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together. So there were thousands of people. But remember, after the unpardonable sin, and the unpardonable sin was this, it was upon a generation, it was a generation thing. Cannot happen today. Now we know that anybody who comes to Jesus shall be saved. The unpardonable sin was the denial of Jesus as Messiah when he was physically here on earth, because the accusation being he was demon-possessed. You will see the same sort of thing here. And he says that thousands came, and as a result of the unpardonable sin, Jesus stopped teaching clearly. He spoke only in parables to the masses. That's what the scriptures say. After that, only in parables to the masses. Yet he explained all things privately to his disciples. So, it says in verse 1, Under the circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples. 
So there's thousands of people around. And he's just pulling apart his disciples and he's speaking merely to his disciples and he's speaking very clearly to them. He began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The leaven of the Pharisees was that they had said Messiah would do A, B, and C, and Jesus did A, B, and C, and then they still denied him. That was the hypocrisy. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, because he had just been accused by the masses of being run by Beelzebub, being controlled by Beelzebub. They were denying his Messiahship based on on his being demon-possessed, they said. He said, beware of that. Don't fall into that trap. He says, but there's nothing covered up that shall not be revealed. That, that should not be revealed and hidden, that shall not be made known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed among the housetops. He says, the truth is going to come out. And he says, these small things that you're talking about, remember, these are going to be proclaimed. The word of God will be proclaimed, Jesus is saying. And then in verse 4, he says, I say to you, my friends, again, he is speaking to the disciples. This is a small group within masses of people. He's not addressing the masses. He's just speaking to his disciples. He says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and afterward have no more that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So, he says, what's about to come upon you is not easy. He's speaking to his disciples. He says that they are going to threaten to kill you, and they will kill you. In fact, of the twelve, so, so Judas ended up killing himself. He was replaced by Matthias. So then you had twelve again. Of those twelve, eleven of them were martyred. Only John the disciple was not. John who wrote the book of Revelation. John the disciple was not martyred. And that's because John was the only one of the disciples that, of all the disciples, all the disciples had fled, the only one that returned to the foot of the cross. And remember, Jesus said to Mary, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother. John returned. John had nothing to demonstrate of his allegiance again to Jesus. The others demonstrated their allegiance by becoming martyrs. John was banished to the island of Patmos, actually, because of his witness. And, and we have the book of Revelation from that. But he says, he says, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. He says, but I warn you, you want somebody to fear? Fear God. Fear God. To have a fear of God is a good thing. In somewhat of our New Age experience, oh, we don't want to put fear on anyone. Jesus said, fear God. You fear God. Because God speaks into our lives. And God holds us accountable for our actions. And this is very often why the world is opposed to speaking about Jesus Christ in the Bible. Yes, you can say God of an ethereal sort of thing, or the great force. But Jesus Christ and the Scriptures hold us accountable for our actions. We are not free to do what we want to do. He holds us accountable for our actions. If we are in Christ, we will not lose our salvation. Nonetheless, we are held accountable for our actions. And this is why He calls us to repentance. And it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that if we don't ask God for forgiveness, the pressure will just come on us. And it says, discipline comes upon His children. We can avoid discipline, it says, by learning how to walk in repentance. God sees my actions. 
And when we obey God, He blesses and He honors. When we obey God, He blesses and He honors. The little acts of faithfulness, the little acts of truthfulness that I have done, God has blessed and God has honored. I mean, just little things that we do. We want to walk in truth. If God just, just uh, uh, you know, something comes upon you, you want to speak to God. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, sometimes my, my kids would come to my office and visit me in my office, and what they'd do is they'd pull up and they'd open my car door and they'd take the parking card, they'd open the gate, and they'd come in and they'd park. And technically, they're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I, I pay for my parking pass, and they're using my card to also get in there, and so it bothered me, because I knew it wasn't right. So I, I, I wrote out a check for $100, and I sent it to the parking office, and I said, here's what's happened. Uh, my kids have violated this on occasion, and I know it's probably not right that they use my parking card, and they don't stay there long. I mean, they're just coming up for, for a half hour or an hour, but they're supposed to use their credit card to open the gate, or their debit card to open the gate, and and so, so uh, I sent this $100 check, and the guy said, I have never seen anything like this before. He says, never has anybody sent money in like this. And he said, I'm sending the check back. Just tell your kids that they shouldn't do it. And, uh, but then I, then I was free. Then I was free. What happens is, things happen in our life where God drops in a little word and says, you know, that's not quite right. Make it right. Make it right. When you walk uprightly, God will bless you. I don't want any illegal software on my computers in my lap. I tell my sister, I don't want it. There. Just purge it. If we need software, I'll buy it. You got a, some copy that you got from somewhere? If I haven't bought it, we'll buy it if we need it. If not, get it off. I don't want that on my computer. I don't want music that I don't own on my iPhone. I don't want it. If I don't own it, if, I, if it's some way not right, I don't want it. God holds us to a higher standard. He says, fear God. Fear God. And then he goes on to say, he says uh, in verse 6, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, this, this week I was in, uh, what city was I in? I was in uh, Indianapolis this week. And on, on uh, Sunday night, I didn't sleep very well. And there were all these thoughts going through my mind. And, and, and uh, um, so, so I, don't, I don't know if you've ever had just lots of thoughts go stirring through your mind. And the more you think about it, the more worried you get. Has that ever happened to you? The more you think about it, the more worried you get. So a few people have experienced this. And I was thinking about this when I went to bed on Sunday night in this hotel room, and, and, and I didn't sleep very well. And I woke up even earlier than I normally wake up because I just couldn't sleep very well because there was all this worry. And then finally, the, the, I started to think about this verse. And it says, it says um, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are, worth, you are more valuable than many sparrows. And as I got up, I started reading the scriptures. And I was studying for this, today's lesson. And God began to speak to me through the scriptures. 
Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. If we will just take the Word of God and allow God to speak into our lives through the Scriptures, He will encourage, He will build up, He will instruct. And when you get into those little tizzies where you start spiraling, just down into this vortex, remember, you pick up the Word of God and God speaks. And I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much. And just boom, the fear was gone. He was going to take care of the situation. It wasn't a big thing. I mean, I was, I was projecting fear. I was projecting problems that could occur. There were no problems. I was just projecting, well, if this happens, then this is going to, then this is really bad is going to happen. Had nothing, step A had not even happened yet. But I was just projecting it. And God just calmed my heart that I am to fear God and fear Him only. Learn to take the Word of God and use it. Verse 8, Luke chapter 12, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. I mean, these are pretty strong verses. I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him before the angels of God. So when Jesus returns, it says that he is going to return with his holy angels. And then and, and, uh, he will confess us before his angels. Hey, I want you to meet this friend of mine. He's going to introduce us to angels. If we've confessed him before men. But if we've denied him before men, he will deny us before the angels of God. So if we deny him, this is, Jesus isn't just speaking a bunch of nice philosophical words. This is real. This is going to happen. He will say to the angels, oh, uh, no, you don't want to meet him. Let's go on. I, someone else I want you to meet. I need, I need to be boldness, bold in my witness. I need to pray for this all the time. You know, when I travel, I say, Lord, put me next to someone on the airplane that I can share with. And I pray for this. I pray for this opportunity. And I keep these, I have uh, some CDs of some messages that I've given that people have made in the CDs. And, 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 and I give them a CD. You know, I talk to them for a while. I say, here, I want you to have this CD. And, and uh, I don't know what they do with it. For all I know, they throw it out. But, but I say, listen to it. Listen to it on the car, in, in the car when you're going home in, in the airport. Just, just listen to it. And uh, sometimes I get back these things from people like, wow, I was just, you know, this really did so much in my life. I'll turn to, I once turned to a guy, we were sitting in, in uh, first class together. Not because I get first class tickets, I fly so much I get bumped up. If there's an empty seat in first class, I very often get it. So I was sitting next to this guy and I turned to him and I said, do you believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? <laughs> and he just looked and he just started weeping. Just started weeping. And just to see the power of God open them up. One day I was, uh, 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 I was in my office and uh, this is back when, when Enron Corporation was, was, uh, was starting and it was really big. This was in 2000. Enron, every business major wanted to work for Enron. It was listed the number one company, most innovative company in the country. And Ken Lay was either the first or the second top listed CEO in the country. Well, Ken Lay's son 
was Marklay, and Marklay was in in charge of Enron Ventures, the group that reaches out, and and we had a certain company at the time that they wanted to buy into, and he was sitting in my office, and we were talking this deal, and then finally after we talked for a while, I said, said, Mark, and I I didn't know Mark as a friend at all. All I knew that he was president of Enron Ventures, and and, and that's a $100 billion company, it was Enron. I mean, this is a huge company. And I said, Mark, do you know what the most important thing in life is? He says, no, what's that? I said, it's the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're just talking a business deal. (laughs) And just tears started to come into his eyes. He said, you know, I've I've recently had a son and I've been thinking a lot more about this. Later on that day, I got a call from Ken Lay, who was CEO of Enron. I had met him once before and he said to me, Jim, Mark told me what you said to him. I said, so what do you think? He says, I think you're right. That's the most important thing in life. To this day, Mark is a good friend of mine. Ken has now gone on to be with the Lord, but Mark is a good friend of mine. You speak up, you testify. My biggest regrets in life, I have zero regrets for speaking about Jesus. Zero. My biggest regrets in life are the times when I didn't speak up. My biggest regrets are... I can remember a dinner that I was sitting at. I was visiting one university and these professors started going off and picking on Christians. And I didn't say anything. And I was, I was in my 20s and I didn't say anything. To this day, I regret that. We're talking 25 years later, I regret that. I have no regrets for speaking about Jesus. I mean, I've spoken about Jesus so many times, I even forget how many times I've spoken about Jesus, but I have no regrets. Have I sometimes said things wrong and said things I probably shouldn't say? Yeah, but that happens. I mean, you mess up in the lab sometimes, you know, you add the wrong reagent, things happen. You know, everything in life you mess up sometimes. You can't go, oh, what's God going to think of me? I, I drove this person further away from the Lord. I don't know. If you did good, God will sort it out. He'll work with it. But look at what he says. Everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. And we have learned what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit means. And that was defined for us previously. But what that means is in that generation Jesus spoke about, it was the physical denial of the Messiah when Jesus walked on earth based on the grounds of the accusation that he had been, he had been uh, possessed, that he, he, he was possessed by demons, that he was demon-possessed. And he warns them about this. That was the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 11, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are to say. This is very specific. He says, when they bring you up before authorities on charges about your witness, don't worry about it. I'll give you things to say. That's what he says. It's very specific. So if you think that, oh, I have to lead that Bible study, God will give me something to say, wrong. You desire to be shamed for not preparing for that Bible study. That is not the context of this. 
If you think, oh, well, I'll go into the exam and God will give me what I need in that moment. Wrong. You, desire, you, you, you deserve to get an F. That is not what this is talking about. This is very specific. It is when you are brought before authorities for your Christian witness, you testify of the love of Jesus. He will give you words to say in that moment. He'll give you words to say. And the best example of this I heard from a friend of mine, Rick Stedman, who's pastor of a very large church in, 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 uh, just outside Sacramento. And uh, uh, he said that when they were trying to get this land, they were trying to get some land that was going to be in this new development area, and they'd gotten everything figured out, and everything was done. There was a large company that didn't want a church there. And the reason they didn't want the church there is because this was a chemical company, and they were afraid if ever there should be a chemical leak, you know, you got a church, you got kids, you got kids' school there, that they didn't want it. So they pressured the city not to let the church build there. And they pressured the city with so much based on future investment. So the city pulled the plug on this. And so they had a hearing. And the mayor got up and he said, we're not going to let you build there. But he had already spent all this money and planning and everything. And he just said, Lord, give me words to say. Nothing came. Nothing came. Nothing came. So he just stood up and he said, I want to thank you, mayor for what you've done for us and the opportunities that were put before us. Then he went and he thanked the mayor's chief of staff. And then he went and he thanked this person and this person. He says he didn't know what to say. He just started thanking people. They just told him you can't build there and he'd spent all this time and all this money. And he just went around and thanked everybody and he sat down. And then the mayor stood up. He says, no, no, Rick, wait a minute. We're going to help you. And so what the mayor did is he pressed the developers He said, whoever wants to develop this area of town first has got to work with this church and provide them with compensatory land. They got this beautiful land on top of a hill, not in the bottom of the valley. Beautiful church on top of a hill. All he knew to do was to thank the people. And God turned the whole thing around when they saw what kind of man he was, just thanking them rather than saying, well, you dirty people, I'll sue you. No, just turned the whole thing around. God can fill in instances like that. Let me, let me just, just close with this. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, I urge you to do that this day. Do that this day. When I was 18 years old, I got on my knees and I said, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. And come into my life. Come into my life. And Jesus came in my room that day. I didn't see him, but he was there. I couldn't stop weeping. This burden of sin lifted from me, and I was changed on that day, November 7th, 1977. That happened to me. You can have that same experience, and I urge you, don't let it get past this day. The scriptures say, today, behold, today is the day of salvation. I am going to close in prayer. If you have never given your life to Jesus, you just pray with me, agreeing with me, and give your life to Jesus. And if you pray this prayer with me, I want you to come up and to talk with me afterward, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for your mercies. 
Father, I pray that you would take these young people and let them walk uprightly in every detail of their lives. Let them walk uprightly before you. And Father, I pray that you would so work in the lives of those who don't know you to open up their hearts. Pray with me if you want Jesus in your life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me because I am a sinner. Come into my life. Wash me clean and make me your child. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would take those individuals and you will let the Word of God go deep in their lives. And Lord, I pray for all these young people. Father, get hold of their hearts to testify of Jesus Christ, that their testimony would go forth, that they would not shrink back and have a life of regrets. Father, I pray that you would so teach them to extract truth from the Word of God, that they would meditate on your Word and learn, do not fear that you would speak to their lives wherever they're at. Speak to their lives through the Scriptures, I pray. Lord, I commit them to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.